prayer. Father, thank you for your, your grace, your mercy, your love, your, your never-ending favor, Lord, that sometimes we uh, forget uh, and don't realize, Lord. And so uh, we get to walk in the victory that you have afforded us on the cross. And so we thank you that, that you were so impactful, um, not only with Christ, but even before Christ, Lord, you revealed yourself and, and the plan that you had. And we thank you for Mark writing his gospel. And, and Lord, we pray that we would just uh, uh, grow together, uh, fall more in love with you, Jesus, and um, that that would impact our desire to share you with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to stop. We're going to jump to the back here. So where's your son? He can't even bring you coffee, huh? Oh, you can sit down. He'll bring you a cup. <laughs> Are we starting early? Where is everybody? No, no, it's the it's hot it's and it's the board yeah. and you know. Everybody must have had neighbors that were. I mean, everybody told me they don't go camping on the fourth or any holiday weekend. So we'll see if that's true or not. <laughs> you guys are are not going camping, obviously. So we're looking at the back page here, and we're talking about why is repentance an important part of the gospel. Now, before we get that, let me just, uh, let's just read, I'll read again uh, verses 1 through um, 8 and uh, of Mark chapter 1. So if you want to follow along, you're welcome to. But the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So let's take a quick moment to and jump back to Second um, Corinthians where, let's, uh, 7, 10, Acts 2, 38, and Acts 3, 19 through 20. Let's just read those just to kind of get us back to where we were at the end of last week um, so that we can have hopefully some more intelligent conversations. Hi, Steve. Hi, Bonnie. Around uh, what... So the bottom of the the bottom of the first page I just want to review these three scriptures down there. All right. No, thank you Kathy. I do need to be stopped sometimes cuz I do just go. You know, some people go, does he ever breathe? Okay. So 2 Corinthians 7:10, somebody read that real quick. Where's the review from last week? For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Right, and again, we talked about a lot of people are sorry in jail, sorry they got caught, right? They're not necessarily, it's not necessarily repentance that leads to salvation. It's a repentance that is still very selfish, right? Um, and, and so a lot of times we see people who are in that sorrowful repentance of, of worldly repentance. We get a lot of victim mentality from those people. Uh, you know, it's everybody else's fault. It's not mine. 
And so we just need to remember that there's a difference between being sorry, repenting like the world, and true repentance that we find in the gospel. Acts 2.38. So repent. Again, that's a turning from what you used to believe to, to, to newness, to turning away. Um, yeah, and I think we find this struggle as Christians, right? We repent and we, we turn in that moment, right? And then we find ourselves easily drifting. Um, and uh, again, because in that moment of repentance, I find, uh, well, let's look at Acts 3, 19 through 20, because I find this very, very clear in repentance. Uh, repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that, thing, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. So I think a lot of times we look at repentance as a negative thing, and it's really one of the greatest things that, that we can share with others and that we can experience ourselves. When we repent, the times of refreshing come because the presence of Christ is, is more real, and, and he's there in a, in a more tangible way. Not that he's left you when you're a Christian, you know, he'll never leave you nor forsake you, but there's times where we, we grieve the Holy Spirit and we don't sense his presence, and sometimes the Holy Spirit's kind of quiet for a time. And I think that's because God's like, you, we want you to turn, and we want you to crave that refreshing that only Jesus can bring. And so I think it's important for us to know that we are receiving continual refreshment from the Lord because we're constantly, you know, responding to the Holy Spirit, redirecting our lives as he moves us to go back to Christ because our, in our flesh, nothing good dwells, Paul tells us. And so we are forgetful people, right? We, oh, we come to church or we have this moment and we're like, oh, it's great. I'm so fired up about the Lord. And then we walk out and within a short amount of time, that just wanes pretty quickly. And so hopefully growth in what we do here is that that, that waning, that love for the Lord, um, wanes less and less and less, right? And it becomes more and more because of the time we spend together and we are praying for one another and encouraging one another and we know that we're not alone. So now, with that background, now we'll get into today. Why is repentance an important part of the gospel? Now, b before we, we answer this, I want to caution us. Um, it's very easy for us to look at the failings of, other, of the world, uh, failings of other churches, and even the failings of, of our church. But right now, I just want to go, why is repentance? Because let's get to the basics of it. Why is repentance? For us, we need to go, why is this an important part of the gospel? So that we make sure that we're at least doing what we believe God is prescribing and telling us in, in Scripture. Yes, Carly. If we don't understand that, we are trampling on Christ's work. Okay. His whole thing was about saving us and going through that horrible death. 
so that we would be able to repent to him and he would cover our sins. Okay. We were trampling on that, yes. Okay. Steve. I was just uh, curious, what, as a counselor uh, uh, in your ministry, what percentage, I mean, it says turn or repent. It's almost like there's an acknowledgement that, you, that you're turning from something. I've done something wrong. The Holy Spirit's going to be, what percentage would you would you say, uh, most people at the railroad, uh, they uh, I could abuse them for 47 years of ministry with a, a crew captain. We're talking about uh, repentance or different aspects. It seems like that was one of the hardest things to say. Hey, you know, I was wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it it's, it's, there's a, there's a difference between, so we need to qualify. We're turning from something, not just that, but we're turning to something, right? So a lot of times the gospel can be presented as, don't you want to be forgiven for your sins? Well, absolutely, right? But then we see in Acts 3, 19, so that times of refreshing will come. So there's a movement toward something else, right? Which we know is Jesus Christ. Um, and so you turn from your selfishness, you turn from the world's answers, you turn from false doctrine, you turn from you know, self-works, all these things, to Jesus Christ. It's not just turning away from, it's turning to something. And I think that's where, kind of your point, Carly, I think we miss it sometimes. Because it's not just turning from, it's turning to. And I think a lot of times we, I, I'll speak personally, short sell the gospel and don't actually give the full gospel when all we're preaching is the forgiveness of sins. That's great, but Jesus said in Matthew 28 that go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey all that I have commanded to you. And a lot of times it's easier for us just to say, don't you want to be forgiven? Right? Because that's an easier sell, I'll call it that, than don't you want to be forgiven and live and turn and walk in a way that is pleasing to God? Because that requires a little more thought, right? That's harder. That's harder. And then, and then, then the balance for us is to not tell people how that looks, but to encourage them to, to get in their word, to be in fellowship, and let the Holy Spirit do that work. Um, so I would say... And where's my son? I'll have him listen to this because we, we had a fun discussion a year ago. I would say that the true gospel has to include repentance. And it's going to look different to your point, Steve, with every person, right? Um, you know, some people turn, receive the forgiveness of their sins, and then it takes that turning. As a, <laughs> it's, it does, it's not this automatic 180, right? You see this progression Okay, now I, I'm, you know, that's because it has to, they have to acknowledge that my way is not right. Does it fall under the area of almost a miracle? I mean, when you repent, you're, you're going against your own human nature, but God is actually implementing a, a grace, a mercy, a forgiveness, and in the, the times of refreshing, it, it almost seems like it's a, a spiritual moment where God is interacting with you. Well, I would just remove the word almost, it is. Well, I mean, anytime yeah. a holy God wants to reveal himself to you, it's a miracle. Yeah. Right? I mean, the fact that we can look at creation and look at family and look at all these beautiful things that God has given us, and because we're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, we understand how beautiful it is and how great it is. I mean, that is, that is richer than what, you know, because there's a lot of people who like family, and are, but there's a limit to that if they don't have, that they're not connected to God through Jesus Christ. 
you know, the, well, you know, love family, but then when Christ comes into the picture, your family, just th that, that richness explodes and, it, and it's greater because you understand even more how blessed you are and how great it is that he has revealed himself and helped you turn to acknowledge who Jesus is. I'm thinking it has to do a lot to do with relationship because sin separates us from God and so there's no, there's no connect. Yeah, how do we really know him? Yeah, we, mm -hmm. yeah, there's just... And how do we really, how are we really known by him, right? Unless that repentance is a part of it. Otherwise, there's just this, it's, it's death trying to mix with life and it yep. just isn't going to happen. As a habit in the morning, as soon as I wake up, I just say, thank you for being my best friend. Mm -hmm. And that kind of gets me through. Mm -hmm. And I'll say it, like if something is really getting to me, I'll... Mm. Well, and you know that, that you know that the best friends, real best friends, accept you even when you've messed up, and they're they're willing and waiting for you to to turn, and and when you do, they're there and they're, they're encouraging you to do that, right? They're like, I'm here for you, you know, turn, and then they're there to receive, and and that re relationship get deepens and is better. Mess up. Yeah. Yes. yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're able to take it from a best friend, yes. right? When yeah. you're being told, hey, where you're, the way your direction you're headed is not, it's not safe yeah. for you. It's yeah. not good for yeah. you. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Well, we going to have we, some repercussions. We were yeah. watching this show in this one episode. There's uh, a best friend just telling the guy, you are just off course. And I won't use the words he used, but I mean, he, but he was just telling him, you, you know, I used to thought you were just acting like this and it wasn't who you really are. But now after time, this is really who you are and it's not okay. And then the next scene, they see them acting like best friends totally. And the, and, and the, the spouse was like, how do you guys do that? Well, you know, he knows he's safe with me, you, you know? And, and so I think that, that that's, yeah. You know, Jesus doesn't say, you, you know, well, <laughs> you know, we'll see. He's just like, come on, <laughs> quit trying so hard on your own. So, so how does John describe his relationship to Jesus? So verse seven, he says, and he preached saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. And I like John because he rhymes here. That's very kind. At least the, the translators made him rhyme, so it made me happy. But, but how, does, how does John describe that relationship? John had a big following, by the way. You know, John, John was the real deal in the wilderness, and he was getting lots of disciples, lots of followers, upsetting the religious leaders. And yet, what does he say about his relationship to Jesus? Okay, nice. So they must have grown up together. No. No? They didn't grow up together. No, so probably a two to three day journey um, between where Elizabeth lived and where um, Jesus lived. And so we know that, that Mary was there, we believe, at the birth of John. And then she, that she, she stayed with, with, with Elizabeth until the birth of John, and then she went back. And, and, you know, so that's why you didn't hear a bunch of what to do about her being pregnant early on because she pretty much left for about three months um, and then came back. <laughs> and then she comes back. Now, now we have some craziness going on, right? Connie? Um, the people that John baptized, yes. 
Did they have to be baptized again by Jesus, or was the one baptism sufficient? Well, <clears throat> what does John say? There's one who's coming that's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So that was what John was more concerned about. We know that after the death and resurrection of Jesus, that became a synonymous event between uh, physical baptism and spiritual baptism would be what, what Scripture foretells. I mean, there's also those who... Uh, so you see Paul talking to... Boy, here it goes. Anyway, and he says, have you, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And they said, well, all we knew was John's baptism of repentance because that leaves you just in repent, you know, just in that turn mode, doesn't move you. And so he said, well, let's, let's baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And that wasn't water baptism, that was just a prayer. And so you see a, a bunch of different ways. And so we believe that one of the things we do see in Scripture uh, more often in the, in the New Testament and Acts specifically is the event of baptism, water baptism, and the Holy Spirit um, uh, baptism happening synonymously. So to answer your question, I don't believe that they needed to be baptized with water again, um, but they definitely need to be have the, the Pentecost experience. And I don't want to call it that, but um, you, you know, but they needed to be open to receiving because you see a lot of times people not even knowing about the Holy Spirit at the beginning of Acts because it happened in one region. And then as it spread, they're realizing all people at least knew was the baptism of John. Um, and that's great, right? Repentance is great. But if you stop at just repentance, now we have to go, what leads us to actually walking with the Lord? So when we talk about b babies who have been baptized or something like that, we believe that when that person as an adult uh, walks in the faith and, and, and comes to faith, um, that that is a, a, a promise answered that was given in the waters of baptism as an infant. So it's still one baptism. Uh, and so we believe. And so like one of the things I say to the kids when they come up that aren't partaking of communion, um, I'll say, may, may God richly bless you that we grow into the mighty man or, or woman of God, whichever it is that, that he's called you to be. And may you draw up on the waters of baptism to remember that you're redeemed a child of God and because of Christ forgiven of all of your sin. You know, go in peace. And I'll say that to the kids. Um, because I think it's important for us to remember God marked us with baptism. And uh, so, so anyway, yes? So, with baptism, I mean, John baptizing isn't the first time baptism was done. In other words, this is probably a, what, a washing, mm -hmm. or even an Old Testament term of some sort, or what? Yep, it's a washing. Again, um, like last week, John was from the group of the Essenes, we believe, who were ritual washers. And it was all about repentance and preparation to make sure that we were right before God. Um, typically, you would see in Old Testament, even in pagan cultures, baptism signified a change of what you used to believe into a different religion. So again, when the church was starting, when people would be baptized as Jews, that would be a sign to everybody else that they're, they're denouncing their Jewish faith, basically, and they are now a Christian. And so that's where you get, especially in the Catholicism, you're being baptized into the Catholic Church. Uh, whereas at the beginning of the, the, the church itself, you're being baptized into Christianity, which showing a, a change. You're removing yourself 
from that. And that's why, you know, it was a big deal to them. So that's why the, the Pharisees were upset, because basically when they were going out to John to be baptized, they were saying your rules and your regulations are not enough. They have failed us and we're receiving the baptism of forgiveness of sins, which is why you see John later calling them out. Yeah, you guys are a bunch of brood of vipers. You're, you're whitewashed tombs. You're, 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 you're proclaiming all of this, and yet, and yet you're still left empty. So, Connie, to answer your question, no, I do not believe they would have to be baptized again in water, but I do believe that there is a, a definite precedent that they need to, as John says here, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, again, the Holy Spirit at that point in time was not a permanent fixture on the life of a believer like we have today because you know god gave poured out his spirit on the day of pentecost and now his spirit resides in the old testament like we see uh, david and i in a uh, psalm 51 in his great prayer of repentance of contrition after he had been busted by nathan the prophet for killing uriah and and sleeping with Bathsheba, and and he says do not take your holy spirit from me and so when we look in the wilderness, too, you see the Holy Spirit's presence one time a year, basically. And then the Holy Spirit's gone. Although, when they're traveling in the wilderness, we see a cloud by day and a fire by night, which I believe would definitely represent the protection and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But they didn't acknowledge it as that. They acknowledged the Holy Spirit would come and go. Um, we believe when Samson would gain strength, it's because the Holy Spirit came upon him. And then the Holy Spirit would be gone. And so there's a permanent shift here after Jesus that the Holy Spirit is a given fixture um, indwelling in, in the actual God himself residing with man and being with man, which was different before. Yes, Con and Charlie. And that's specific to those that are actually Christ followers. I mean... The Holy Spirit just doesn't live in everybody. No, no, only the that happens. So you can, there's a, it's a great discussion. We won't get into it today. But there's, there's scriptures that say once you've, once you've received the salvation of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins of the Holy Spirit, it has marked you. Because Paul says he sealed you with the Holy Spirit the moment that he marked you as his own. But then you see also, well, the whole, the, they were baptized, uh, like Peter says at the end of chapter 2, he goes, repent and be baptized and you will rec you receive the forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit. So some people think that you have to be baptized in order to receive the Holy Spirit, yet Scripture does not clearly say that because we go to the house of Cornelius and Peter is preaching to the Gentiles and the Holy Spirit falls before they were baptized and then after that they were baptized. And so what we do know is that the Holy Spirit desires to dwell within every single believer and when that person receives the forgiveness of sins and they're changed from darkness to light, from death to life, that that life is because the Holy Spirit now resides in them. And so um, to, true believers are marked by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Harold. So the thief on the cross, did he receive the Holy Spirit? I mean, Jesus said, you will, I will see you in, in paradise. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I guess the Holy Spirit come along with that package? I mean... I think you can make a, I think you can make an argument that that when that person repented and received what Jesus promised, today you will be with me in paradise. 
Um, again, here's the challenge we have though with that is it's, it's pre-Pentecost, right? So, so that's where we go, okay, what do we believe? We believe he w- he's in heaven. Yeah. We believe that that, that acknowledgement that, that of who Jesus was and that need for the forgiveness of sins. Um, and so pre-Pentecost can get a little wonky. What would be your opinion on uh, him even acknowledging you're on the cross, you're being crucified, you can hardly breathe, but yet you come to an understanding, don't you fear God? And this man's done nothing. I mean, he's giving a gospel of testimony yeah. while he's dying. It would seem to me the Holy Spirit is opening his eyes to see oh absolutely see something of of incredible uh blessing i mean that's amazing he's responding to the work of the holy spirit in his life and part of that is rejecting what you know and standing up for jesus yeah Uh, which a lot of times again is is difficult when we present the gospel you know we can say oh we like jesus but we don't necessarily refute Mm -hmm. those who have who have a you know who are mocking jesus right you just leave me alone i'll like jesus you know but, and, and we kind of hide, and that's tough because, man, there's a lot of people who don't like Jesus out there. I mean, they like to use his name, but... Use him, <laughs> Somehow they gave him a middle initial of H. I haven't figured that one out, but we figure it stands for holy. Okay, so, um, so again, there's one that, you, like, to Barb's point, there's, <laughs> he's greater. You think I'm giving you something good, just wait. And I can't, I'm not even, I'm not even good enough to untie his sandal. I'm not even, I'm not even qualified to be his servant. To wash his feet is basically what he's saying. I'm not even qualified. And then we have Jesus that says that John's the least in the, in the kingdom. And, and it's like, and he, and he talks about us being, you know, greater than John the Baptist. And I'm like, well, I don't know about that, but there's a reason for it, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that we've been given the Holy Spirit. Yes? Well, a lot of, well, I think, because I wondered about that saying, too, was that John the Baptist, Moses, you know, all the Paul, all of these apostles or whatever, they just pretty much, they experienced God in a way we would never. So it was like a humbling thing. In other words, it's hard. It's harder when God's not walking right alongside you and talking to you on the mountain and whatever. Maybe is that a reason why those common people are greater than John the Baptist or whatever? Because we don't have that well, hands-on that God gave so many of them. Yeah, and I think Jesus said, you, you, you know, and then I think it was Peter or Paul who reemphasizes it, reemphasizes it that you know, blessed are you who. You know, well, it's John, it's Jesus talking to Thomas. So let me. He says, "Do you do you believe because you see? But blessed are those who believe and have not seen, yeah, right?" And so, and that's again. But we can't believe unless. So they had sight to look at, right? Oh, we've seen the guy, right? We have faith, which has to be given to us by the Holy Spirit, because we won't believe it um, unless the Holy Spirit gives it to us. So we kind of been talking about this, but why is it important, though, that John explains that he who is, come, who is to come is mightier? He was powerful and influential, and it was, he did not, he could not just leave it at that so that people would worship him. He wanted them to know that Christ was the one that they should worship. Yep. Prophecy is fulfilled, was being fulfilled, yep. and Really important to well, and you think of these were just messengers, right? Yeah. Whereas Jesus 
is God. So, um, you know, he is, he is the fulfillment. He is, he is God. So for them to, for John, for any of these, uh, these, you know, um, prophets and, um, you know, apostles that were proclaiming, Mm -hmm. they're just doing what God had put upon them to do as a man speaking, you know, whereas Jesus is God, so. And the people were hungry for a prophet. I mean, it had been 400 years since Israel had a prophet. And so I think that, that John came with such force that people were ready to hear uh, the, 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 the message. But again, he acknowledges that what I offer you falls short of what God has for you in Jesus Christ. And so uh, we read in other Gospels that John says, you know, he, he, I must decrease and he must increase. Um, and so we also see when John's in jail, which we don't cover in Mark, we also see when John's in jail that, that he sends disciples to ask Jesus if he's the one. Now, a lot of people think that John's wavering his faith, and that's not it. John is wanting his disciples to shift their attention to Jesus, and so he's continually pointing them to Jesus. And, and, and you know, many go, oh, man, but he was beheaded. How horrible. I believe that that, that was um, a great... You never want to, well, sure. Great plan of God to say, we're going to get John now out of the way so that Jesus can rise on, on, on the scene in a way that, that if John was still there, there would have been competing, you know, uh, there's still some disciples holding on to John. Because John's not the life. Jesus is the life. Right. So. Right. And John said that, but I guess he had to get out of the way. But too. I think like you were saying, we, we tend to, you know, we tend to align ourselves so much with a truth over the truth, right? I, I think there's so much within us as, a, as humans in our nature that we tend to, you know, like, this is, the, this is a truth that I'm going to live by as opposed to the truth living in and a part of our life. So... Uh, it's interesting. He uh, John's is the mightier message, one. John's message here, because I think all of us have probably observed something very similar today, particularly in a church. I, and you know, I've been going to this church for a very long time, uh, uh, and I was brought up Baptist. And and there's been many times when a pastor leaves. Mm -hmm. A percentage of the congregation disappears, mm -hmm. and I've always thought they were those people were here because of that guy, mm -hmm. rather than because of what mm -hmm. they really should be here for. And I think everybody has noticed that mm -hmm. if they've been or uh, had those experiences. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. common. That is. Well, yeah. you know, I think maybe exactly. maybe a pastor really should be that should be a good sermon once in a while. Yeah, <laughs> no, be, yeah. You're not here because of me, right? right. Because right. there are a lot of people that think that. And in larger churches, too, it's interesting. Um, a lot of times, in, the pastor will not let people know when he's not, not going to be there on a Sunday. In the church I was at in New Mexico, we would not let anybody know when the senior pastor was going to be gone. Because if, the, if they knew, our attendance would drop in half. And, and it's sad, right? But, but you realize this personality-driven... 
ministry is very common in today's uh, society. But you know, I think there's a, there's a lot of people sitting in the pews are, don't even realize sure. that that's no, you're what right. they're thinking. Yeah, no, you're right. It's true. Steve? I was going to say, uh, back in the scriptural textbook there, when uh, uh, Jesus is making the declaration, he says, of women born of people, men born of women, there's no one greater than John. He's making that uh, that declaration of the law, and then when you know, but he says the, uh, what your your point was of, but in, in the kingdom to come, there's no you know anybody born after that. And I just was thinking maybe uh, the the coming of Christ, uh, Laura's point over there, maybe we're splitting history now. We're coming into a whole new dispensation, a whole new. Well, oh, sure. There's a so definitely a mark the, of change. Yeah, the, I mean, the, all of history is 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 an announcement, and he, John's heralding that, Jesus is fulfilling that, and we tend to uh, discount that. Yeah. You know, we, we're not paying attention to that. Let me just say before we move any further, I am so blessed by how thoughtful all of you are. I mean, seriously, there I've been in many studies where, well, I'm not going to go there. But it's just, it's just really enjoyable to see us processing and thinking about these things. Because to your point, Delane, it is important to say, hey, I mean, I, we recognize there is a certain, I mean, people connect with people, right? So we see that that's a certain way people connected with John the Baptist. But John had to say, wait a second, you know, let's look to Christ and not look to me. And sometimes that means a death of something, unfortunately. Uh, you know, so I hope I won't make all of you mad at some point in time, but it's not, you know, only do that if you need to look at Jesus and not me. No, I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> so let's jump down to what are some misunderstandings about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I've been in the circles a lot, so I can talk a lot, Bonnie. I think one is that people think there's going to be disorder. You're going to speak okay. out of line. You're going to swing from the chandeliers. Roll on. Bark like, a bark like a dog, act like yeah. a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Connie. For me, the hardest thing is the concept. Okay. Because when a baby is baptized, a baby doesn't know about a Holy Spirit, about repentance. They know nothing. When you're an adult, you know that. And so to me, it seems like baptism comes as an adult. I've noticed over there, uh, your point, honey, but a lot of times the faith of a mother, a father and a mother over there when you're united in marriage, you, the power of a, of a matriarchal, patriarchal union in Christ over there, and you're, you're bringing two become one flesh in the mystery of grave, but it seems like the birth of that, that offering that, that God's blessed you with a child, the parents' faith, I've noticed over there, not even from a Lutheran standpoint, but it seems to be pretty powerful that mm -hmm. you're fulfilling a promise. And it does come to a certain point. Oh, no, they, they have teenagers <laughs> so I would say that um, I don't totally disagree with you I don't say I totally agree and that may qualify wise so one of the things that we see in the New Testament in the book of Acts is when people receive the, the, the baptism the whole families the, the, the patriarch of the family said we're all getting baptized and I think that's a great precedent for for us to say that the parents need the lead and they need to, to, to love their children enough to present them to the Lord. And 
one of the challenges I had before I came here, and I had to just call it out with 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 Jonathan Dinger up. I said, because my I was I didn't grow up with infant baptism, and so um, I I want I don't like to give the impression that if someone is baptized as an infant, that they're a sure thing into the God, into the kingdom, and so. Jonathan talked me through that. He goes, you know, he won't do what's called drive-by baptisms where the grandparents have the kids for a weekend. They're like, quick, baptize them. He goes, because that, what he, and so when I got to do uh, an infant baptism uh, shortly after I got here, the, the service is beautiful. And it's a charge, really, of the faith of the parents, that the, the parents are presenting this child in faith and asking God to bless them with his grace and with, the, with, with the, the seed of faith to, to grow. But if you take that seed of faith in a child and you don't nurture it and you just stick it on the sidewalk in the hot sun, it's not going to grow. So the charges to the parents and to the sponsors or godparents and to the church to help nurture this faith. And we're asking God's grace in that moment. And it's very similar and non-denominational to what's called a baby dedication. It's very similar language. We're presenting this child to God. And so I think it's the, again, but if you just baptize a kid willy-nilly and there's not a, a faith-based home. So a, a, probably a good example, I had someone who came to me and she wanted my brother and I to go pray in her house because it was there was weird stuff that she felt in there that she was moving into. And so we're like, yeah, okay, we'll do that. Um, but what time should we come? She goes, well, I have, if you guys come at two because I have the Wiccans coming at three to do their thing. And so we were like, yeah. so we're like, mm, you know, on second thought, never mind. Because... Because the reality is, is you're, uh, we're not just about covering your bases. We're about, are you going to raise your child in the way of the Lord? Right? And so that's where, to me, the, 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 the dedication, the bringing to the Lord, the, the baptism of an infant is really we're presenting this child. And we are promising to God with the help of the Holy Spirit that we are going to raise this child in the faith. To me, that's beneficial. Um, and then again, so, you know, if, if someone's gone away from the faith, they, even though they were baptized as a child and, and now they're responding to the work of the Holy Spirit in their life and, and they feel that they want to be baptized again, I'll be happy to do that. I still think it's an extension of the same baptism. I still think it's only one baptism, I'm not baptizing them in the name of something else. Right now, we don't need to continually be baptized over and over again. But I think that, that sometimes we try to make rules and, and regulations that try to confine the work of the Holy Spirit instead of saying, wait a second, we want people to respond to the Holy Spirit. We want them to grow in their faith. We desire. Um, and so the Holy Spirit, by the way, if you want to know how the Holy Spirit functions, read Jesus. Because it's his very spirit that he's putting in you. So again, to your point, Bonnie, why would we act all silly and out of order? Because we didn't see Jesus doing that. Um, and so, but at the same time, I do not think we will have boldness to even walk the Christian life with any means of success without the Holy Spirit. Because he's Jesus with us. When Jesus said, I will be with you always, when we're told in Hebrews, I will never leave you nor forsake you, we, we know because we have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then there's times over and over again that we see the disciples who were there at Pentecost, but we see two chapters later, and they gathered and prayed, and they were filled again with the Holy Spirit. And so I think for us, it's not this 
weird moment of, oh, hey, you know, I feel the Holy Spirit. I think we've got to be careful about that. But we know that we are completely dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit in our life to walk in a manner that is pleasing to God and is a testimony of our faith. We won't testify correctly if it's not for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So would it be important to say that to someone who's new in the faith that it's the Holy Spirit that um, brings conviction, mm-hmm. brings repentance, mm-hmm. brings a saving knowledge of the Lord, and then the baptism is a separate work that you can be a Christian without the baptism? Mm. Yeah, I don't know if I would say that. I would just put it all on the Holy Spirit because if the Holy Spirit's dwelling within the person, then and and so I mean a good example is um, I think Barb shared one day. I said I need to. I need uh, my life's not the way I want. I'm going to respond to the Holy Spirit, and now she's a fixture here. Praise the Lord, right? No, we love that. We we know we we. And, and so that is again. She had received. Um, I believe you had received Christ's gifts mm-hmm. way earlier, yeah, but the Holy Spirit was with you, and eventually, the, it, yeah, the Holy Spirit was like, okay, right. And so I would say that upon conversion, and that we can get into fun stuff about conversion, but I won't bore you with all the weird pe- things that people think about it. But we believe the Holy Spirit is the one who converts people, mm-hmm. right? And so he gave you the right to be a child of God. He gave you faith. He breathed that life into you, and so and so he's with you. And so I would say, for me, um, that the teaching that we should teach is that upon conversion, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And there are times in your life, though, where you need an you need to be more aware of the Spirit's work in your life than others. And so, um, again, if we desire to see the, the, the world reached for the kingdom, if we, want, if we want people to quit trusting in this, this system of the world, if we want to share the love of Christ and help people know that they need to repent, we will not do it right on our own. We'll come across extremely judgmental and extremely harsh, but if, with the work of the Holy Spirit, we'll see, you know, like when, when John or when Peter stood up and they were cut to the heart. Now he spoke the truth to them and he showed, hey, you guys killed this guy. But I'm telling you, we've seen him and he's alive and, and, he's, and they're like, okay, well, what do we do? Now, not all of them, right? We see through scripture, not all of them think that. Um, but, but the work of the spirit through you will reach people. And again, I, can, I don't have right words to share with somebody. I mean, if you can argue somebody into the kingdom, you can argue them out of the kingdom. So, so to me, it's got to be, it, to Steve's point earlier, it's not almost a miracle, not, or on, and mostly a miracle, as they say in Princess Bride. It's a miracle because you you're now have a holy God dwelling in you. Woo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And God said, I'll even give you a heart that can grow because that heart's stuck. <laughs> so, all right, let's pray. Father, thank you again for your goodness. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have awakened our, our hearts and our minds to be able to read your word, to understand these things, these things, to have a desire to know you more. Lord, that's all the work of you, Holy Spirit. May we be just more aware of the work of you in our lives and that we would encourage one another. 
Lord, be blessed, be honored, be glorified in all that we do. Thank you uh, again for the opportunity to meet together. Uh, may we just be overwhelmed even by that. That's a miracle, Lord, that we are in a country that we can still gather together freely. So, Lord, we thank you that we are so blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.